I'm talking to Sandra Tews, uh, and I guess the thing most people say to you these days is congratulations on a uh, fine and very successful biography of Levon Helm. Oh, thank you very much, Jim. It's great to talk to you again. Oh, it's great to talk to you, too. I was very pleased when I saw that. Uh, I know her, I said. Um, the book... <laughs> For those who aren't familiar, uh, the book is Levon, From Down in the Delta to the Birth of the Band and Beyond. And it's published by Diversion Books. Is that right? Yes, yes. And earlier, it was published earlier this year? Uh, it, the pub date was the end of August this year. Okay, great. Oh, right in the middle of the pandemic. Well, it was actually supposed to come out a little earlier. They delayed it because no one was uh, going out to stores at the time. Anyway, it um, seems to have reached a lot of people regardless. Yeah, well, it's a good book. It's uh, it's going to reach people. I, I think what I wondered about as I read the book was when you came to know, when was it that you came to know that you had something different to say about and in particular Levon Helm that others seemed to miss, including like writers like Grill Marcus and Barney Hodgkins and uh, Jason Schneider, uh, even Helm himself. Uh, you, you, you have something <laughs> that's, that's pretty a bit intimidating. <laughs> I wanted to write another biography. I'd written one on Muddy Waters quite a while ago. And um, for the Muddy Waters book, I had the privilege of interviewing Levon. And when it came time to write another book, I just kept thinking, gee, I'd really like to write about someone I admire and respect as much as Levon. And then um, I was looking, of course, I had his, his autobiography, and I just felt that there was probably more to say than was in there. And uh, when I did some research, some preliminary research, I became convinced that there was a bigger story there. So um, it was pretty intimidating, but I decided to tackle it. We'll talk about some of your research in a few <laughs> minutes. Um, I thought maybe we'd uh, now turn to one of the songs you picked for us to listen to. Uh, okay. And it's uh, by Ronnie Hawkins uh, doing a Muddy Waters song. As uh, luck would have it, 19 years old, and it was recorded in 61 by Ronnie Hawkins, but released in 64, features Levon on drums. And so, vocals. And um, this, yes, this was um, the first time that Levon recorded without Ronnie. So mm -hmm. they were at Roulette Studios in New York, and uh, they'd finished their session with Ronnie Hawkins. And the producer, uh, Henry Glover, said, well, why, you know, let the band do a couple of songs on their own. And so they chose two blues numbers, which was not what you'd expect from a Ronnie Hawkins band because they're mostly known for rockabilly. But um, so Levon Singh is the lead singer in this as well as playing drums. It's a Muddy Waters song, and that is interesting in that Muddy was one of Levon's music Icons. I have to say, one of the things, another thing that really struck me about your book was the nature of your research, uh, especially as it related to uh, Ronnie Hawk, or sorry, Levon Helms' uh, drumming style. 
it got me to look back and listen to the band again and reconsider his playing. Because, I mean, I grew up with the band in an age when Keith Moon and Ginger Baker were just pounding mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, and and you talk about the subtlety and uh, the kind of controlled playing that uh, Levon Helm has. I, I just wonder if you, is it true that you really did take drum lessons as part of your research? I probably only started for about a month when I realized, gee, I really know almost nothing about drums. And, um, you know, it was something that it wasn't going to work out if I didn't understand drumming more thoroughly. I've been taking drum lessons ever since, and I'm not stopping. Um, It's (laughs) really become a passion. Oh, great. Now, are you looking for a band to play with? We could send out a No. Uh, I don't feel that I'm quite ready for that, but uh, I must say we've got an excellent drum instructor in town, Murray Creed, and he's really opened up a whole world of drumming to me. You know, you you hear about historians doing research, but they never seem to leave the library, but clearly you've left (laughs) the library to do some serious research. Yes, and I I went as far as Arkansas as well. Levon was the first member of the what became the band to join Ronnie Hawkins, and then the others joined later. Yeah. And so I, I got a sense throughout your book that Levon functioned uh, as a kind of a big brother through all those years as the members joined, uh, giving them guidance, taking care of them, protecting them in some way, but also um, instilling in them a sense of Southern cultures. Oh, yeah. Yes, they, the other members of the band, the Canadians, uh, Robbie Robertson, Rick Danko, Richard Manuel, and Garth Hudson, all grew up in Ontario. And uh, they'd listen to these uh, big uh, radio stations that were coming out of the South. Uh, so they were really interested in that music. But that was Levon's life. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yes, he... He functioned as the band leader, according to Ronnie Hawkins. You know, he would school these new um, members as they came into the band. When I read biographies and autobiographies of rock musicians, I, I find them find it quite often it's uh, uh, kind of over-glorified, uh, kind of rock god icon stuff. But you make um, Levon Helm very human in this book. Uh, through the discussion of his friendships, his kindness, tremendous sense of family. I also was struck by his friends aren't just his friends. They're they're like second-generation friends, and it it seems to be a tightness. I I, I came to appreciate that about him. I certainly appreciated uh, your take on this. I mean, his was a successful life aside from music, I feel. I mean, he had such loyal friends, and in turn, he was very loyal to them. He was someone who never forgot his friends, uh, no matter how famous he got. And, uh, for instance, two of his childhood friends, Anna Lee Amstead and Mary Vaden, grew up with him, and they remained really, really close friends right throughout his entire life. And I met lots of people, especially in Arkansas, who are still really broken up about his death. And that was in 2012. They truly miss him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you certainly get that sense in the book. Um, 
maybe, since you mentioned Anna Lee, to get a sense of uh, Levon's drumming style, get a sense of what he brings to the band, uh, not just drumming, but vocally, and it has all those things in it, doesn't it? Levon uh, believed that he should play for the song exactly what the song required and no more, so you don't find a lot, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of embellishments or cymbal crashes. It's mm-hmm. an understated, elegant style. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can think of uh, bands that had half of uh, a side of an album taken up with a drum solo, and, uh, <laughs> and yet the band has all, has no drum solos that I can no. recall. No, <laughs> and, and and yet he's so integral to their sound. I think it's great. That's right. Yes, and also um, as another famous drummer, Steve Jordan, pointed out to me, uh, it's so unusual for a drummer to be a vocalist that can mm-hmm. separate those two things, um, just like it's two separate people uh, play with such independence at while you're singing. Yeah, I, I don't know how he can do that, actually. I'm quite amazed. Well, you get all four limbs going at the same yes, time. I and singing. I mean, people don't get to see uh, the, the legs moving all the time. When no. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough task. It's also interesting it in the book how many drummers you contacted that had just nothing but great things to say about Yvonne Helm. Oh, yeah. Yes, he was quite an influence to uh, every drummer I spoke to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a thing about, I, again, it's uh, my sort of perception, but it, it sort of reminded me a bit of Ringo. He wasn't one of those big, flashy, crashy drummers, so he didn't get much recognition or uh, kind of underappreciated for what uh, they bring to the band and that band sound. Mm-hmm. You've already mentioned that you've uh, written a very good biography of Muddy Waters as well called The Mojo Man, right? Muddy Waters, The yeah. Mojo Man? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when did that come out? That was in 1997. 1997? Yeah. You, you spend some time between books. <laughs> I do. I, I'm not um, someone who comes up with new ideas quickly. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, good, good ideas. Um, the Muddy Waters connection to Levon Helm, you've again already mentioned that. It's uh, quite mm-hmm. strong. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about the Muddy Waters uh, book. You got Eric Clapton to write uh, the preface? Yeah. 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 Oh, you got, um, you've got to be bragging about that. <laughs> well, I couldn't believe it when it happened. And uh, Mick Jagger wrote a blurb for the back cover. And for me, that was sort of like the, the highlight of my life. <laughs> and as well as Levon wrote a blurb for the back cover as well. Yeah. Well, it's like all my childhood heroes in one book. <laughs> Um, so, I, and I do have to confess, I have never finished the Muddy Waters book because I was reading and a friend came over and said, can I borrow that? And I said, yeah, oh. but I thought he meant after I was finished. Oh. <laughs> he took it with him and you can't get a copy of it now. You know that? No, I know. It's out of print. It's out of print and uh, everywhere I've looked at uh, used stores, uh, nothing. So uh, if anybody mm. out there has a copy of uh, Muddy Waters the mojo man, could you please uh, get in touch with me? Um, so, now, having said that, again, you know, Muddy, uh, Levon Helm, after the band had finished, uh, Levon recorded a Muddy Waters album. Uh, he, he produced it? 
Well, actually, it was just before the band, the original oh, band um, broke up. It was actually okay. in 1975. Um, at this time, the band members were doing a lot of individual projects on their own. Um, there wasn't a really good vibe in the band at that time. And uh, so Levon's project was to work with the producer he met at Roulette Records back in the early 60s, Henry Glover, and they set up a company together. And so their project was to uh, produce the Muddy Waters album. And so that's what they did. The song that I've chosen from that album is uh, the, a real bluesy one called Fox Squirrel. And that, that was recorded in Woodstock at uh, Levon's yes. home? Yeah. No, yeah. Um, Levon no. was actually building his barn slash recording studio at that time. It was recorded in Woodstock, but it was in the Bearsville studio. Oh, oh okay. Um, so the album is called uh, Muddy Waters Woodstock Album, 1975, and uh, it features Levon on drums. And apparently he played bass as well. Well, I would not want to play uh, rock trivia with you on the band. <laughs> yeah, you know a lot <laughs> of stuff. I love reading books where I don't have, I did not know this, like things I don't know. I learn things. I had no idea uh, that Helm had stepped away from the band while it was uh, touring with Bob Dylan. I just, when they say the band backed Bob Dylan, I just assumed it was the whole band, but it wasn't. Well, it was for the first few months, and Levon left um, quite disgusted with, um, well, one thing was the audiences weren't accepting Bob going electric, and so uh, there was a lot of booing and throwing of fruit. So um, oh. he... Uh, he left, and uh, yes, there was a period of almost two years when Levon left band and traveled around. And uh, there's that was one part of the book of Levon's uh, autobiography that I found kind of mysterious because there's hardly anything written about that two-year period. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my other research, there wasn't anything much either. Uh, that was a period of time when I really wanted to find out what he had been up to. And what had he been up to? <laughs> well, he went to, first apparently he went to Mexico and ran out of money and then went to Los Angeles and uh, was hanging out with uh, Bobby Keys, who was a sax player who later played with Rolling Stones. And there was a contingent of Oklahoma musicians in L.A. at that time, um, including Leon Russell. And uh, Levon played and hung out with them a lot. And uh, then he went back to Arkansas for a while and Memphis. And uh, then he, he teamed up with his pal Kirby Pennock, and they traveled throughout southern U.S. to Florida and New Orleans. And they... Um, had quite a lot of interesting times in New Orleans, uh, working uh, in the oil fields out in the Gulf. And uh, until, oh, and then Levon went back to Memphis and stayed with Anna Lee and Mary, who were living in Memphis at the time. And then he got a phone call from Rick Danko saying, hey, we got a, a, a record deal. Will you come to Woodstock? I think you'd really like it. So 
then he went back and uh, stayed with them after that. And, and re- rejoined them for Big Pink. Yeah. Big Pink. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's again it's it's hard for me to conceive of uh, Lee Von Helm working on the oil rigs uh, <laughs> uh, in the Gulf of Mexico when he's like, you know, just the best drummer around. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it also, but again, it, it, it gets back gets back to that point when things go bad for him, when things aren't as good as they could be, he goes home. He finds kind yes, of uh, uh, kind of people he knows, people he understands, mm-hmm. people who understand him uh, at home. And I, I, that's a that's a real theme in your book, which I really like. Yeah. Do you feel that the Bob Dylan episode and playing with Dylan was a positive thing for the band generally or or something maybe they had to overcome when they went out on their own? So at this time, they um, when they started to back Bob Dylan, they were Levon and the Hawks. They'd left Ronnie, and then they, had, they backed Dylan or Levon backed Dylan for the first part of the tour, and then, then there was a the two-year period and then he went back and by this time most of the band members were living at a house in Woodstock that they called Big Pink and they would uh, get together most days in the basement and work often with Bob Dylan who also lived in Woodstock then and they'd work on um, new songs together and uh, before this period of time the Hawks were playing mostly cover tunes but by working with Bob Dylan um, they started developing their own unique sound and writing songs that were quite different from the usual hits of the day that were quite psychedelic at that time and so they combined a lot of the roots music of Americana into their signature sound. And many times, Levon uh, credited Bob Dylan with getting the band from the stage where they were doing cover tunes as Levon and the Hawks to become the revered band. Quite quite remarkable to make that shift, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. In 1993, the band, without Robbie Robertson, uh, recorded uh, Dylan's tribute to Blind Willie McTellan. Is that would that have been a song they would have heard with Dylan in Woodstock? I'm really not sure. Um, I'm not. I don't know about that. But um, you know, they they were definitely they had played other Bob Dylan songs. I think that this version is just fabulous. I especially yeah. love this one. It's from their um, the reunited band without Ro- uh, Robbie Robertson. And uh, from their Jericho album, and it's the the main vocalist is Levon. Um, Le- well, Levon and Rick Danko trade um, vocals in this one, and I really like the interplay of their voices. I think it's just mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, well, the uh, the singing and the harmonies of the band has always been a big highlight for me. So yeah, and it's a terrific version. The album's called Jericho. Yes. Yeah. And it's, well, it, it doesn't have Richard Manuel or Rod Robertson from the original band, but it's awfully good. Yes, it is. Jericho album, like so many later uh, Levon Helm, Helm, sorry, endeavors, um, mm-hmm. features a large number of guests. Uh, people want to play with Levon Helm. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's quite surprising uh, how 
the end of the band opened up other musical opportunities for Levon Helm. Every time you talk about a different album or a different project, they go, oh, my God. You know, he's playing in it. He's playing, he's playing mm-hmm. with Ringo's band. Oh. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's a tribute to Levon Helm uh, as a person, not just as a musician. There's a lot of great drummers, but there's not a lot of great people out there, I don't think. Right. I think that comes across, uh, again, in, in your book, can you uh, would you like to talk about his later years, uh, his post band yeah. year? Well, there were two bands. The original band broke up after the last Waltz concert and album, and um, throughout the '90s, the reunited band without Robbie Robertson traveled around touring, but they never really regained the audience uh, numbers that the original band had. So there were hard times. Then in the late 1990s, uh, Levon was diagnosed with throat cancer, and uh, the radiation treatment uh, completely took away his singing voice. And so that marked the end of the reunited band when Levon could no longer sing songs like The Wait and The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. He was really struggling at this point, uh, not only for his life, but... um, He was facing bankruptcy, and as I say, he could no longer sing. So uh, he became the drummer of a blues band called the Barn Burners. They were just a young group of guys that lived near Woodstock. They couldn't believe their good fortune, and he stayed with them until 2004. And then after that, um, he opened up his um, barn, which was a combination recording studio and home, to informal concerts that he called the Midnight Rambles. And while he was doing this, he was working on regaining his voice, which he was finally able to sing again. And uh, until his death in 2012, those last years were actually quite a triumph. He continued with the Midnight Rambles, and he had fabulous guests come to perform at the barn. And uh, he took his show on the road uh, to rapturous crowds, and uh, he recorded three new albums, and each one of them won a Grammy Award. Fabulous. I mean, yeah, the people who would come and play with them, just a who's who of, uh, of great yeah. musicians, right? And not, not just sort of uh, Americana musicians or, or blues musicians, all different kinds of people. Yeah. Know. Yeah, as you say, or as you imply uh, just now, uh, after the band broke up, uh, he sort of drifted away, or they drifted away uh, in people's minds and memories. But you do a great job in the book of uh, taking us back uh, to what happened after the band. And it's a, it's a good, sizable chunk of the book, which I really, really appreciate, because I really didn't know much about him until, again, later when the uh, Grammy albums, winning mm-hmm. albums started to come out. And I have to say, I'm a big Amy Helm fan, so um, oh. that took me back to Levon Helm. So uh, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's a very, I think, a very important part of the book. I, I wanted to talk to you more about. I, I, I'm still very taken through the whole book of his friends, friends that you meet in this book in the first twenty pages, or there at the end when Levon yeah. having trouble. Those friends are there, and I think it's a reflection of what a kind and generous man he was. I know. Um, when I interviewed him for the uh, Muddy Waters book, he didn't know who I was, and he was. 
so kind and generous to me. And the fact that he, he read the manuscript and wrote complimentary blurb for the back cover, you know, it was just a remarkable thing. And he had this quality where you felt like you were talking to your best friend. It wasn't some distant musical icon. It was a real warm, generous friend you were talking to. It was mm-hmm. really quite a quality he had. Yeah, the picture on the cover of your book of him smiling as he plays the drums sort of captures mm-hmm. that. It, it's a great picture. I don't know who took it, but uh, uh, I know when I opened it as a birthday gift, the first thing I went was, wow, what a smile. Oh. So it's a, it's a great cover. And Jimmy Page. Is that real? Oh, you got a quote from Jimmy Page on the back cover. You, you, you hang out with all the big stars. That's great. Sadly... We're running out of time, and uh, and I just want to ask you, what is Sandra Tews doing these days? Uh, Is there a new project in the works? Are you writing? There isn't a new big project in the works. Um, I hope it doesn't take me 20-something years to come (laughs) up with another one. Um, I'm doing reviews for the Maple Blues publication. Um, Not a lot else right now. I'm sort of isolated. <laughs> it's kind of boring. So there's there's not a specific project, no. right? No. Um, it's too bad because I really enjoyed this book. Um, <laughs> I think we should uh, leave uh, the people now with something from Helm's last album before he passed away. It's called Electric Dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful album. And it won a Grammy? Yeah. Yeah, well, he must have had quite the Grammy shelf there. And uh, the song is called Grow and Trade. Yes, so it's uh, an example of how Levon went back to his roots in his later years. And uh, so, you know, he was playing a lot of country blues and gospel in those later albums. And um, this is an example of that. Sandra Tews, thank you for spending some time with us and for being on the show. I know I'm looking forward to whatever you write next. And oh, uh, take good care. I remember in class when you told me you were researching a book on Levon Helm, and I went, oh, my God, that's <laughs> ambitious. I'm, I was very pleased uh, when, it, when it came out. So uh, I'd oh, highly good. recommend this as a Christmas present to anyone who likes Americana, who likes a good story who likes good rock music, and I'll warn you in advance, take out your band albums because you're going to re-listen to them in a different way. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate uh, being with you. Well, when this whole mess is over, we'll get together in person and uh, talk some more. I have some questions. I have tons of them. Okay. (laughs) Take good care of yourself, Sandra. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Jim.